help. We need an extension program. For those of us working as enablers of change, this can be a common cry for help that we hear when our colleagues are designing a new project. In the past, we might have been asked to add this in once the R&D project components had been developed. But hopefully these days, we'd be contributing this at the beginning of the process and ideally co-designing it with end users and other key stakeholders. But how do we actually design an extension program? What do we even need to include? Yes, John, so in this episode, we're going to look at the key elements of designing an extension program. We're drawing on several existing pieces of work, which as always, we'll add at the end of the blog post. We're utilizing material from Jenny Crisp in Western Australia, Claude Bennett and Kay Rockwell of Bennett's Hierarchy fame from the US, and a book called Improving Agricultural Extension, a reference manual commissioned by the FAO and edited by Bert Swanson, Robert Bentz, and Andrew Andrew Sofranco. And there are a few other resources that we think were useful, and we've listed those at the end of the blog post in case you're keen to explore further. Yes, Denise, and those are great resources, and I'm glad you got the tongue-twister names for a change. So, the first step for extension program design is, of course, to start with the why. This is about identifying the purpose of the program, asking what we're trying to achieve. Once we can answer that question, then we know what the outcome will look like, and can then move on to look at the how and what. Simon Senek has done a great TED Talk about this. It is a good TED Talk, John. The second step is to identify the target audience. Be specific. Who are they? What are their levels of experience and knowledge when it comes to the purpose of the extension program? What are their needs? Who else would like to participate in addition to the target audience? At this point, it may be that we need to undertake a needs assessment. Uh, this is a process of information gathering and situational analysis to determine the needs of the target audience. Um, it's better than assuming that we know this already, John. So this might involve doing a review of relevant research, talking to experts, and of course, listening to our target audience. What is their current farm knowledge, attitudes and skills, practices, behaviour? economic, social and cultural situation. How do they see the problem we have identified? We'll need to spend some time analysing the information we gather and determine their needs. Now, sometimes we don't have a lot of time or resources to do this needs assessment. Um, in that case, the key then is to do as much as we can, given what we have available, and to be very clear about any assumptions we might have made. And it's amazing how asking just a few questions will reveal new ideas. So never underestimate that one, John. Ah, uh, yes, the dangers of assuming things, Denise. The third step is to develop objectives for the extension program. These should be outcome-based and describe what success looks like. A good question that Jenny Crisp suggests is, for us to achieve the extension program's purpose, what would need to be in place for that to happen? Be specific about the changes in awareness, knowledge, skills and or motivation we would like our target audience to demonstrate by the end of the program. Be specific about changes in practices we might want to see occur. And always go back to the purpose of the extension program and ask, will these objectives achieve our purpose? 
we could use a theory of change or program logic approach to help develop this. And we'll discuss how to do this in a future episode. The fourth step is idea generation. This is where we start listing all the possible activities required to achieve our objectives. This is the fun part that most extension people love doing. Are we going to run workshops, field days, and perhaps an awareness raising campaign? Will we include peer-to-peer learning? Um, We'll, of course, need to make sure that the activities follow adult learning principles. Um, And we have episodes on both of these topics if you need a refresher. Uh, We need to include a hook for the target audience to realize they need to get involved, and we should use a range of activities. Another suggestion Jenny makes is to use the action learning cycle. Plan, act, reflect, adapt and change, and then start again. Ah yes, the old adage that the best approach is to use multiple approaches. So to the fifth step, and it's to refine these ideas so that we're putting details into each activity, outlining who is involved, where and when activities will take place. It is good to thoroughly think these through and determine which ones will give us the greatest impact. This is also when we might use the ADOPT model, where once we've answered 22 questions, the clever software provides a prediction of not only the diffusion curve for the innovation, but also sensitivity analyses of the factors influencing the speed and peak level of adoption. We can then go back and tweak our approaches to further increase the speed and peak level of adoption. This is a great team activity as it helps us all to better understand the factors affecting adoption. It's a good plan, John. Um, So then we can move on to step six, which is pre-activity tasks. The even more detailed planning required for each activity. We'll need to think about promotion, booking the people we'd like to present at the events, um, booking venues and catering, and doing a run sheet. And finally, don't forget to do a checklist so we don't forget those last minute things. And John, we've done an episode on that as well. (laughs) Right. And step seven covers the post-activity tasks. As good extension practitioners, we need to ensure that we set some follow-up activities to help embed the learning. We sometimes forget that 40% of our effort needs to go into these post-event activities. And we've covered that in a previous episode too. This links into our evaluation planning, which is the next step. It's so important and often we can lose momentum by forgetting that this step is critical in designing effective extension programs. The last step, John, number eight, is to design the evaluation. This is about checking during the project whether or not we're achieving our outcomes. And at the end of the program, being able to demonstrate that we have achieved at least some of what we said we would. (laughs) Evaluation is so much easier when we're clear about the purpose and have specific objectives. As we covered in an earlier episode, Bennett's hierarchy is a common tool for evaluation planning. Um, And it can be used for program design um, for this reason. And we've included a reference to an article by Rockwell and Bennett, which goes into some detail on how to do this. Wow, so if you've come this far and you've been documenting all of the steps we've outlined, then congratulations, you've designed an extension program. And it's documented with an evaluation plan, 
so we can tell people about what we're doing and how well it went. It's actually a reasonably straightforward process. It's just that too often we jump straight to planning the activities because they're the fun bits rather than focusing on designing it properly and writing it all down. So true, John. But you've heard our thoughts. Now we'd like to hear yours. Add a comment below the blog post and tell us about your experiences with planning extension programs. We'd love to hear about your tips and any useful resources. We don't want this just to be a one-way conversation, so please join in by sharing your thoughts and ideas with us. Thanks, folks, for joining us on this Enablers of Change episode. Remember to subscribe to our newsletter if you'd like to know when new episodes are available. And hey, if you liked what you heard, please tell your friends so they too can join the conversation. All the best until we meet again. Bye.